Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 184 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, we are back. We hope all of you had a fantastic holiday break. Carrick, can you do anything fun over the holidays? No, we had a small, like, we had a small Christmas. Like, I talked to you once or twice prior and then a little bit after, and, I mean, we didn't really do anything in between. Yeah, my birthday came up. What did we do for that? We, oh, I had a big Heroes Clicks nerd get to get we call it sat saturn or sat nerd day where everybody (laughs) comes over and we played that and got sick by drinking like 16 gallons of fucking eggnog we talk about it in your discord all the time because i'm such (laughs) an eggnog freak and um yeah just played uh i you know what i did i sat down and played a bunch of free mmos really a bunch yeah yeah i hopped into star trek online and um, what I'm doing is on Mondays, we do like an MMO on the Twitch channel where like people come in, we play gotcha. these older MMOs. But because these MMOs have existed for so long, they're holding their free to play element is way higher than it used to be. So in the past, you jump in and pretty quickly you'd be like, I think I need to pay for this or that, mm. you know, more storage or something. Right. But because they've existed for so long, they pushed it out. So like I played Star Trek for 25 hours, like solid, like 18 hours one day right. and the rest the next day. And uh, never ran into that and just had a blast. Neverwinter, uh, we're doing World of Tanks, War Thunder, because the consoles now have a shit ton of these. Yeah. Um, and you know me, I've already talked about DCU a lot. So it was just, it, it was something I wanted to do and hadn't got a chance with all the games, and I've just taken complete advantage of, like, not a ton of games being out. Yeah, so absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I did. Uh, while I was away, even though videos are going up on the channel, I was like, wow, I can just kind of play anything. So... I was wondering, you know, I just kind of went with what I was feeling. Do I want to play something from, like, the PS2 era? Do I do I want to just play something that's interesting to me now? Um, and so I ended up finding myself sinking a decent amount of time into playing Call of Duty with my friends. I, I didn't really expect that because my whole plan in my head was, like, I'm going to go back and go full-on nostalgia. But that really wasn't calling my name. Um, so, yeah, I ended up playing a lot of game battles on that. A lot, a lot. Um, and then also Pokemon. It was kind of a nice... That was that was more of a trip back to the past than anything because I was playing uh, Let's Go Eevee. So that's a remake of Red and Blue. So it was nice to kind of go back. I'm almost done with that. And th- those were kind of the two main games I played for the most part. And it was a similar thing with you, except Eevee only came out fairly recently uh, where I was thinking, you know what, uh, this is a time where not much is happening, where I can actually maybe dust this game real quick. So, uh, when you say Call of, playing. when you say Call of Duty, do you mean Black Ops Four? Correct. Uh, PS4 or PC? PS4. So, uh, do you do fairly well? Like playing? Uh, k- yeah, kills wise, and and do you find the I, control with yeah. the controller still fairly? I have a scuff, so I, and I've I've played. I played oh, Call okay. of Duty competitively for a lot of my high school um, time, and then I stopped when I got into college, and I've kind of made it more of a side hobby. It used to be, kind of, mm-hmm. not, I wouldn't say it was a full-time thing, but like uh, it used to be like the only shit I did, rather than... Sure, um, sure. And now I play a ton of other games, but now I'm able to fit in Call of Duty more, because it's multiplayer only, so... There wasn't mm-hmm. that, like, campaign, all right, I'm done kind of thing, and then some multiplayer mm-hmm. for the review, like I did uh, last year with World War II. So, uh, but yeah, back to what you were saying. Yeah, I I generally perform pretty well, I'd say. I've always, because I, I, I did not jump into this one near as much as the mm-hmm. others. In fact, I've played, I would say, less than, like, a couple dozen games. And um, I felt it was pretty good, and I heard a lot of people complaining, being like, oh, you need the PC version, which I have. But uh, it's just, like... 
I, w- I was sitting back and I was sort of just enjoying playing on the console. I felt yeah. it. I felt it was pretty good. There was. A, I don't know why, but um, in that game in particular, I sort of like Call of Duty more than Battlefield in in the way um, it moves around in this one. I yeah. really sort of like Call of Duty Black Ops and and just <clears throat> sort of the adjustments. Um, I only do the BR and not the deathmatch stuff. Right. Where you is that what you're doing? I do well. I play, since I play game battles, uh, it's not the only way you can play it, but I prefer Search and Destroy, so it's like one life, that's all you got kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So a lot of it boils down to strategy, if you're playing okay. game battles, rather, um, and, and going where you need to be and winning your gunfights. So I don't really like Blackout that much. Um, okay. If I were to pick a BR game right now, it probably honestly would be Fortnite, because I, I did enjoy the, the building aspect to that, uh, mm-hmm. at least when I initially played it. I definitely would be awful at it at this point in time, but yeah. Uh, so you you gravi- you gravitated more towards the the blackout mode. And what's funny is I still haven't touched zombies at all, whatsoever. Either by haven't yeah. even turned it on. And Same. I just somebody just asked me today. They're like, "Hey man, we should do it." Because I from what I from all in you know in, in information I've been given, it's good. Mm-hmm. I just whenever I do jump in, it's like br because I, I I like a little bit of the length of life. It, you last a little longer, yeah. even if it's just running around. It does and so you're around. like, yeah. yeah, and so if I'm sitting back and we're all joking around, I like that. Um, I, I've always thought that even the even the ones you didn't like of Call of Duties, because there's been ones I've liked you haven't liked and vice right. versa. Um, I still, I do sort of like the quick movement, though. So the occasional deathmatch is fun because it's just like fucking, you're in there and there's people yeah. everywhere yeah. and they're, and bad. everybody's Frantic. an enemy, so... Yeah, yeah. So I, I still think it's a pretty good game. I just unfortunately I haven't got a chance to really d- jump in deep like I'd like to. So it's yeah. cool you did. I don't. I wonder if it's uh, from like someone who plays public matches. I wonder what they think of the game versus myself, who I'm usually playing private matches against like other teams and stuff. Where oh, uh, I'm playing public. Yeah, yeah. So for me, like I notice a lot. It just because more people are in the public matches. I wonder if people are enjoying their experience more than myself. Where I enjoy the game mechanically interesting but there's some weird bugs that happen like there's this thing called fog of war where uh if you're looking in the general direction of someone the red dot will pop up on the map telling your whole team where someone is and sometimes it'll clip through a wall and so if you're playing a one life game sometimes my team and i are able to take out someone just because we we were looking around for someone and also and just it, for a split second gotcha. yeah you see a little blip and like oh he's there and and we just all get it get right on top of him and that's it um sometimes the lobbies break way more often than they should at this point in the game's life uh and and the for some reason on the ps4 and i don't know if anyone else shares this issue but it it like slows down my ps4 and granted i have the the launch ps4 so that could be it too but like no other game does this that i've ever played on this console uh any ps4 game i ever played has been reviewed on this console any other game I switch to now does not slow it down. It's Call of Duty. When I when I try to go to the the crossbar menu, it slows the fuck down when playing Call of Duty. It's really really weird. Okay, wait a minute, because this is something that was just mentioned on my podcast prior. Right. So, are you saying in the game as well as outside of the game? When I press the P- PlayStation menu button and it brings me like outside of the game into like, right. the cross media bar, that slows oh. down. Like going. Interesting. Going, yeah. 
every person in my Twitch today, and there was over 100 people in there, every single person was complaining about what you're talking about, but it was not connected just to Black Ops. Really? Maybe it was a, maybe yeah. it's a PlayStation update then. It, it may be. This is the first I've heard of it other than me noticing it, but mm. I was just like, you know, front end or home, you know, home pages are never the fastest, right. at least on the Xbox. So I'm sort of accustomed to the occasional delay or whatever. Mm hmm. And it just popped up randomly in the podcast. It's so interesting you mentioned this because everybody in that stream was like, holy shit, I'm not the only one. Like, I think everybody is in their little silo. They all thought they were the only ones having it. You are not the only one having that. Every single person I know of who was talking about the PS4 today all mentioned that they were having delay issues in mm -hmm. the home. So it might be a... You know something within the system itself. Yeah, yeah, very well. Interesting. Possible then, because I've only noticed it with Call of Duty when I've fired up uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, Hero Academy, and you didn't have it that you didn't have it there. <clears throat> Nothing. It was really strange. Um, that is weird. I'll have to look into that. That I might wonder, be something. Yeah, I wonder if it's because I was just playing a bunch of fighting games at that point in time or whatever. But uh, yeah, for some reason it would slow down. Anyway, probably our longest intro. In the history of the show at nine minutes long but that's all right because now we're going to talk about some smash dlc leaks that have uh whoop, whoop. come about so yeah i know some people do take smash leaks seriously um you know they don't want to know like a, a, they call them spoilers which i i've always found interesting like same thing with like a roster announcements before the game came out people were like oh don't spoil the game uh so i just want to let everyone know in advance that's what we're talking about there was a, a, a post on, I believe it was um, Reset Era. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, nonetheless, this post is translated and gives us five DLC characters potentially coming. Uh, it starts out with Joker, which we already know about. And it says that Persona mm -hmm. 5 R will be released in the first half of 2019. We don't know what Persona 5 R is quite yet. There's been a lot of speculation that it is a arena game uh, from Arc System, or uh, we, we've seen, I think it was the brand manager for Tekken and Soul Calibur, has been teasing a lot about some type of Persona-related announcement coming, and then when they tease that um, Persona 5 R, he said, like, enjoy the rest of the year of your year, and was kind of indicating like this was the big announcement coming from like his brand. So it's presumably a persona fighting game that five R is going to be. No one knows what the R stands for, but anyway, obviously we know that's the first smash DLC character that was confirmed at the game awards. The second is, and I apologize if I say this wrong, but Erdrick, which is, um, the main character from dragon quest 11. Oh, uh, gotcha. So yeah, that, that has been a rumor for a while. There was some data mining too. Um, and someone found a code name for a character. One was for the Piranha Plant, one was for Joker, and the other one was called Brave, which I believe was like the code name or something, or like the, the name in Japan for the main protagonist of Dragon Quest XI. So uh, considering it's it's been data mined from the game's files, that's, that's pretty much a given. Um, I'm going to try to read the rest of this post. It says, Anna, Lucia, and Eleven, Luminari's name in Japan as palette swaps. So I guess that means for the the character itself when you're when you're changing their costume in game. Uh not just Dragon Quest 11 S but past Dragon Quest series will be released in 2019. So I believe it was confirmed. If you want to double check me on this, uh, I'm, I mean, I am looking at the on Resetera. 
Okay. That is, it is definitely It there. is. That, and then would you yeah. be able to make sure, I think Dragon Quest XI is supposed to be coming to the Switch this year? Um, oh, yeah, I can check that. Yeah, you mean as a full release? Yeah, because it's so, the, the last part of this second character leak is it says he's in to promote DQ series uh, overseas. Dragon Quest XI S will be published by Nintendo. So I'm guessing they are bringing it to the Switch, but I just, I just want to verify that. Um, On Switch, uh, this yeah. just says... So it's for sure coming because even in June, somebody, uh, Polygon, announced something. I'm just looking. They're not really talking about the exact day, though. Okay. Yeah, um, just as long as it exists is all. It, 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 it for sure exists. Okay, yep. cool. Just making sure. Three is one that I... This, this is more exciting to me than any DLC character is Ryu Hayabusa. Uh, this leak says there is a project going on for Ninja Gaiden's 30th anniversary. Gaiden, Gaiden? Mm. I say Gaiden, personally, but... I, either one. I yeah. say Gaiden. So, Ninja we'll Gaiden's 30th middle. anniversary. New game comes out in 2019. Not sure if it's brand new or not. I imagine it would be brand new, like some type of reboot, because um, the first two were remade with, like, Sigma. Uh, unless they're doing, right. like, a collection of some kind, which... I just want Ninja Gaiden to come back. I think those are some of the most badass games when I was growing up. I love Ninja Gaiden Black. That was one of my favorite games. I, I adored its challenge, its slick animations, and 2 just kind of ups the ante on everything. It's so good. Number 4 is one that brought a lot of uh, drama to the internet, which was Minecraft Steve. He will apparently be announced at E3 2019. Alex and Master Chief skins as palette swaps. He was supposed to be on the base roster, but sent to DLC for Minecraft Dungeons promotion. Now, if they brought in an exclusive character like that, it'll be interesting to see how the door opens for future exclusivity uh, characters to come in, especially if it's Microsoft. Um, granted, they said that there will be a Master Chief skin, but I wonder if right. Master Chief would ever be a possibility. The fifth and final character on this post is Marine from Doom. He will be announced at E3 2019. Doom 64 costume as palette swap and a promotion for Doom Eternal. Wowee. So for me personally, out of this whole list, of course, Joker, because I, I think Persona 5's the shit. But Ryu Hayabusa and the Doom Marine. Oh, man. that That's, that's awesome. That is so freaking awesome. Uh, what do you think about these characters on the leak and and also some of the rumors attached to them? I think uh, Joker's by far like my, my favorite. Yeah, like the idea of Joker. Absolutely. I, it's not even it's not even sort of close. Like the idea of Master Chief, all those kind of things. It's like okay, whatever. Um, Doom Marine. Okay, mm-hmm. like that's that's great. It's another. It's a that sounds like it's just a swap. But I like the uh, Joker's awesome, and I think it fits for some. I, you could never get me to give you a good description of why I think that fits. Right. But I do think Persona fits with Smash Brothers for whatever reason. I think it's just like they're flashy, you know, exits when they're running and, you know, yeah. er, the cartoony there's look. There's a flair to it. Just like there's a flair to it, yeah. And, and the charisma is a little bit the same and a little bit overlappy. So to me, that's the one I'm most excited for. I'm just laughing because, dude, a lot of games with barely any content don't get DLC, and this game's got like 8,000 stages, 8,000 fighters, yeah. and then they're like, and here's some DLC, and you're like, are you fucking... Yeah. It continues to blow me away in the amount of content that is in one game, yeah. that game in particular. Absolutely, because when you think about it, it's not just... People always look at the characters and are like, oh, what's their moveset? What are they doing? But often what's forgotten with these Smash DLCs is that we also get a new stage and new piece of music from them, and the game yeah. already has, like you said, hundreds of stages. 
and hundreds of pieces. It's of ridiculous. Music. Insane. As a non, as a, is a, a, I would consider myself a not necessarily a Nintendo fan. I am still blown away by a bunch of shit they're doing. Every and it started with Rabbids, probably. Right. Yeah. It, but but they're they're nailing it in some pretty fucking unbelievable ways. It, 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 and this is just one more example of it. But yeah, that game is so big. It's hilarious. It's just stupid. It's it's actually dumb. It's that big. Like I love it yeah. because no other game. It's almost like I was talking about Injustice Mode's um, multi-universe thing. No other game can really fill content now like they yeah. can. And then Smash Brothers is like, well, okay, you've got that. No one can fill the number of stages or characters we have. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just ups the ante. That's why I want them to do as much as possible because I want any other game, any game. Doesn't matter if it's the next Dragon Force game or or sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, to to go to look at it and go, we have to equal that, or we have to, we have to do something that makes us get a person's eyes away from Smash Brothers. I love it. I think yeah. it's awesome. I think at least it's a good competition. You're kind of seeing a similar thing happen with like Jump Force. They just keep piling on the announcements. Here we go. I was mixing Dragon Ball and Jump Force. <laughs> that's what I was. I figured I was, that's I was what dra- you were talking about. And Dragon and Dragon Force is a Saturn game, so it sounded right. Oh, but yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is Jump Force? Yeah. That's and, and those kind of titles. Yeah, they're they're adding so many characters to that game. I, what I just hope that doesn't happen from this is that it dilutes the the kits of characters where there's a lot of copy and paste. Like Smash Bros is definitely guilty of having your Echo Fighters, which you know, like for oh, example, sure. like Ken and Ryu, they fight pretty much identical i'm sure a smash expert could tell me what's different about them but what's their moveset wise serves is the same i know they have different sweet spots and all that but um yeah man i i am just hoping that that's not the effect it has like if if you put in 40 characters that were all well balanced that's amazing because this game has a really good balance there is an advantage i feel to sword characters but What's wonderful about this roster size is anytime I've sat down to play this game, whether it was online with friends or we all get around the same TV, it's uh, it's amazing to see how it just never gets old because you just click the yeah. random button and you're just you don't know who you're gonna get. There's just so many characters. You it's always a surprise and it's always like oh you know I never really tried to master this character, uh, you know especially when I got I think 50 plus hours in this game now and. It blows me away that I'll get uh, on a random selection Mewtwo, and I'm like, you know, I've only played him like twice, and it's like, I have 50 plus hours in this game, I completed the adventure mode, unlocked everyone, I play online a ton, I play with my friends a ton, and I still really haven't scratched the surface of a bunch of characters on the roster, like, that's nuts to me, that's insane. Yeah, it's, aw- it's awesome, and like I said, uh, it, it. I mean, so you were talking about repetitive, or not repetitive characters, but the worry that you know, you might dilute a little bit of it, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you can service both kinds of fans. The fans who are casual who look at this and go, what the fuck? And right. the, the fans who are like, they know the quarter-second pause between two characters who look alike. Right. And to me, I am okay with, I don't know what the term would be, not necessarily junk characters, but um, I, I wouldn't want it diluted, but I'm also... I'm also okay with them just saying fuck it. Mm-hmm. Like like and that's sort of for some reason Nintendo has not ever been like that. They're not really a fuck it company. They never have really been like that. And this way th- some of the stuff that they're adding in the data mining I was just reading on Resetera, like you're just like, "Really? That's fucking amazing." Like mm-hmm. that's that's so cool. And the fact that also that you're hitting random and after 50 hours you're like, "Oh, I've only played him twice." That happens 
on like, let's say Injustice, and it's only got 21 or 23 fighters. So a game that's got so many more fighters, you can be playing that now for years. Yeah. And 100%. you're still going to be hitting random and going, oh, I haven't, we've not got this combination before. Because that's another thing. So many fighters on the screen, the, that exact combination, you may have gone, I know this person and they know this character, and I know this person and they know this character, but I have no clue how this person's going to fight. And anybody who plays in a fighting game can tell you sometimes a person who doesn't know how to fight can pull off some weird shit because they don't know what they shouldn't do. And so you'll be like, he'll never do this because you would never do that because it opens up weakness and a newbie or somebody who hasn't played that character does it and you're, you get that moment where you're like, fuck! And in a Smash Brothers game, because there's so many people, that can end up damaging you just enough that somebody who knows what they're doing can zoom in and fuck you up. And I just love that. I love the chaos of it. I, I also I also love looking at the tier list because usually when you look at it, I'll see it in like a MOBA or something, you know, a fairly, actually MOBA is probably not the best example, but other fighting games, shooters, you'll see like a very condensed list, like four in the S tier, five in the A tier, but like Smash Bros is like S tier and there's like fucking 12 fighters there because the roster is that big. And then like the A and the A tier is like another 20 fighters. It's, it's insane just how much there is there because... It kind of elevates the entire experience. And what's going to be most interesting to me is seeing the competitive aspect of it because I wonder, you know, these, these pros, they, they grind the game out. They, they learn every nitty-gritty detail of it, like you said, to the finest details, pauses, uh, every frame they know about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like when you've got that much to dig through, you know, the first tournament for this game when it happens, <laughs> I, I cannot yeah. wait to it's see be the, anarchy. Yeah, the, the character anarchy. variety, like, across the board as it narrows down, like, who are the top fighters and, and what are those people using? And is the roster so big that anyone could be good with most, I'd say, top-tier characters and, and find success, even if they're not, like, right. the S-tier, the best? I, I really wonder how all that's going to pan out as someone who's interested in that stuff because that that's what I see most of this roster is that a lot of characters, if you know their kit and you use it well and put your opponent in positions to play to you, not you come to them, you can find success. So, yeah. Crazy it's stuff. The, the, the first, <laughs> first competition is going to be funny too because yeah. it always takes a little feeling out for people to sort, and somebody who looks really good at what you know one section and then they come up to the next and mm -hmm. you know they're not able to adapt or what have you. But that game has so much stuff that it feels to me like, it's going to require a lot longer of a period of time. And then, even then, there's going to be those moments where you're, like, not 100% sure. Because there's been times where, and I don't watch as many competitions as you do, but um, I'm big into Virtual Fighter, which is, right. uh, from what I understand, actually just coming back into one of the competitions. Woo. And when you see them fight, you sort of see a guy and you know how he's going to play Akira or Lau. Like, just because... He's been around for so long, you sort of know. But with that game, it's going to be a year, and you're still going to be like, how's this guy going to play this? And in competitions, is there any competition where they hit the random button? Because that, to me, would be the magic. The juice, mm -hmm. to me, would be a competition where everybody who joins just has to hit the random button and gets assigned a random character. Do we know if... Does that ever happen in I'm sure Smash there Brothers? Are, not on like the main stage, like not on the Evo, main. But damn it, I, I, I would be... love that. That would be awesome, awesome. especially for a game like Smash, because <laughs> they they'd be the only game that has enough character variety to do that. Right, right. Yeah, so, and and oof. and having these experts who maybe do stuff that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I would. I would just personally, I think that this game is one of the few games where I would like that almost more than people mm -hmm. knowing, you know, exactly how to do stuff. But I'm more of a. I don't know how to describe myself when it comes to fighting game 
followers. Like, I like people who know what they're doing, but sometimes I like the people who are a little janky. Like, right. some of this, you know, they might pull, you'll hear, you know, in the, what do you call, shoutcasters? Isn't that what they're calling them now? Sure. Yeah, I think so. The, the people who announce games. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be like, well, he pulled that off, but that wasn't the proper, that wasn't the exact right move to pull off that time. And to me, I'm always like, fuck you, man. Like, that's exactly why you pull it off, because it wasn't the proper move to pull off at that time. And I think Smash Brothers is that the entire time. Mm, and that's I why, that's why I, I, will, I will be watching those. And probably the only game I'll watch in competition will be that game. Yeah, it's like me with, uh, with Dragon Ball Fighters. It's like it was the only game I watched out of all of Evo. Cause that and a mm-hmm. little bit of Tekken 7, just because I, I played a lot of Tekken back when it, f- it first released that into a couple months of its life cycle. Um, but yeah, man, Dragon Ball was such a blast to watch because it was so fast and frantic that yeah, you yeah. just you just knew that someone who made a split second decision a little bit quicker and had like the right idea in mind could win the fight. So it, it was it was exciting to watch, and I'm curious to see how like Smash's finer elements kind of flesh out. But I have a question for oh, you: what's up? Do you feel now that we've now Dragon Ball released win a couple six months ago? Uh, January more. more. More, uh, yeah. 20-something of 2018. 2018. So 13 months ago. Looking back on it, do you feel that maybe they should have toned down the graphics and the over-the-topness just a little bit to make it a little bit more readable? Because that was not an issue with me for about six months. And then when I was trying to get people into it, and I was... And, you know, I love the auto combo because it works for new people but people who played can break you know can instantly figure that shit out right so so it made people who were new feel like hey but i had people who looked at it friends who knew fighting games they looked at it and they were like dude it's a little too busy for me like it's the and these are guys who came off of x-men versus um whatever that arcade game was that was huge for years the capcom i don't know uh, where you can choose three against three so i was just marvel versus capcom yeah so when you look at it do you does it feel a little busy to you or do you i mean Uh, do you maybe you don't revisit it as much i do i I revisit it quite a bit actually my friends make fun of me for it because like they're like dude it came out last year now why don't you just leave it i'm like no 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 that's Uh, a good game fuck that it's a fucking good ass game i i I just i'm a dragon ball fanboy, so it's just nice to watch like the show pretty much in action and be a part of it um yes it is very busy i used to have my issues with it I feel part of it is finding a character off the bat who can kind of slow play down for you. Okay. Uh, and by this, I mean like an Android 16, he has super armor. So sometimes someone will hit you with a really quick attack, but because you're using your heavy, it doesn't fucking matter. You're going to break through and hit him anyway. And yeah. I, I think that ability, while it's very annoying getting hit by it, is good for players to kind of learn the ropes of the game without getting just pummeled endlessly and, and just staring at the screen being like, okay, that's like another 20-hit combo. Uh, because there is a lot of data overload. It's like, you know, every combo in that game is like a, a fucking 40-hit combo because for like every millisecond you're inside the Kamehameha, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six. It's, it just yeah. adds up fast. And, and I think it for a newcomer come like hopping into it, they're like, Jesus, man, like I, I'm, I suck, but I also can't tell what's going on. So yeah, I think finding a character to slow it down is good. Okay. I also think learning some combos and realizing that when you're actually pulling it off, uh, it's not that crazy or insane because then when you're getting hit by it, it, it won't be that big of a deal and it won't be this flashy, wild thing that uh, was very foreign to you originally. But yeah, it, it's definitely a very busy game. 
I remember playing in front of my girlfriend one time. I was like playing online, just hanging out, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Like I feel like I'm gonna have some type of issue uh, uh, staring at. Uh, it. Yeah, like a seizure, right? Yeah, like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that's, the word. I that's, couldn't find it, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly what somebody said. Is I feel like I'm gonna have an epileptic fit. Yeah, like it's there's it's, so many graphics going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was just wondering because like, um, I like the idea of it being over the top when you're good, but when you go back and look at uh, Mortal Kombat or any of those, it is maybe a little dry. Yeah, and I would like them to step it up a little bit, and I would I think. My the next time that this game comes out, I'm thinking I would like them to step it down just a tiny bit. I don't I, know, yeah, man. Like I, I can get behind I, it. I, I don't know. I, I can get behind it because it is like there are just some days my brain is tired. And, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm editing all day, <laughs> or I'm just tired as fuck, and I go to play that game, and my my head just shuts off. I'm like, this is too many flashing images. Like my eyes right. hurt, my head hurts now. Like fuck this, and and I just shut it off. Um, yeah. And that's something that doesn't really happen with any other fighter. So, yeah, I think that's an indication that they should just tone it down a little bit. Um, it's like, where? Do, how do they tone it down, though? Yeah, right. I, guess I mean, it, it, it is crazy. I, it, yeah, I, I don't know what they would do. I guess maybe just, like, sometimes the punch effects and the, the swirl and shit around a person's arm, like, yeah. it's so crazy, maybe tighten them just a little bit so that... Because there were times where somebody would hit somebody else with a combo and half the screen is filled up with flashes and kick, like a kick effect that goes, you know, 15 feet in the air, and you're just yeah. like, Jesus I think Christ. a big cause of commotion <laughs> is usually the 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 Z assists you can call in, where, like, people yeah. shoot, like, 40 different blasts at once, and you just get lost in this cloud of smoke, and that can be frustrating because a lot of people Whoops. use that as a, as a way to, to attack you because you just can't right. see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, yeah, it's... It can get a little wild. It can get amazing game. Wild. So Very certainly, certainly not on my, yeah, not not on my part. Dissing on it, I love it. I, yeah. I just sometimes it's a, it's a lot. I know, absolutely. What is also a lot is what's coming to the Hitman franchise, as we have the HD Enhanced Collection coming along, and that is releasing January 11th. So after this podcast release, it'll only be a mere few days. It's releasing in 4K. 60 FPS, improved lighting, updated controls, and the games that are involved in this enhanced collection are Blood Money and Absolution. Now, I am a late Hitman fan. I played the first one that Square uh, did recently, yeah. episodically, and I played Absolution, which I actually did like a lot. Now, I remember one time we had many a true nerd on the podcast, and I told him I liked Absolution, and he did not like that. So I don't know what the general fan perspective and he loves hitman by the way so i don't know what the general fan perspective on hitman is i know people love blood money though so what what do you think when you look at this collection are you like okay absolution and like yes blood money or what, no what do you i, stand I I'm, I'm excited for both i okay. think that just because one of them isn't as good as the other it may have had a really fun level here or there and they're fine that the problem is maddie is that number two mm-hmm. is just that good it's good and I mean, it's good in a way that I think remakes and remasters, even at a lesser cost, because I think the rumor is these will be a thirty or forty dollar purchase versus sixty. Right. If that's tr- if that's true or not true, um, I just think that when you play the Hitman's now with the open world, you can still go into those old ones. They're a little bit more linear, um, and and really enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. 
but the I'm more worried not necessarily about people going back and not liking one of or the other, but instead going back and going, oh, this doesn't offer that. You you, you really have to warn them that it's not the new Hitman games. Like it's not. You can it's still got a shit ton of freedom, but there's a different feel to it overall. And um, I'm excited for them because I'm a Hitman fan. Like I always have been, even though especially the first one, man, I fucking sucked. I was the worst hitman, dude. Oh yeah, I was a bad hitman. Where always, oh, you walk up to, unclean, or you un, you fucking time somebody bad, and you you're walking up, and they turn right when you get yeah. like you know five feet, and you're all, oh, are you fucking kidding me? And yeah. you, you know you have to go loud. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be awesome. Sorry, my dogs. Jeez. Oh, it's all right, man. It's not a podcast without those dogs. They're part of the show too, dude. <laughs> I swear to God, and it it just doesn't matter. They're I I think they know they know that we're doing a podcast. They have like, to. They don't. They have to. They don't bark ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Do you think you'll buy them or or get it or rent or uh, re- uh, review them? Either well, one. It's yeah. Once I saw January 11th, I was like, oh, man, I really want to. Pretty tight. But yeah, exactly. It is tight. I was just telling you before the show how I had sent out emails for review copies for what was it? Jump Force, Metro, Crackdown, um, Resident yeah. Evil, Kingdom Hearts. And uh, the list is so big that the uh, another one's probably escaping me at this point in time. But regardless of the fact, there's just so much to already cover that to try to squeeze in like one more game, I just don't see myself actually doing it by that. Sure. You know, because that, that seems like a type of game that will be more nostalgia field. Like if someone likes Absolution or Blood Money, they're probably going to buy it. And they don't. Yeah. It's probably based off something, an opinion they already had. Um, right. I didn't see a demand to review it. Are you gonna get around to reviewing it though? I I think I'll. I I haven't decided if I'm gonna twitch it or review it. Um, mm-hmm. but I will cover it in some way just because. Um, I want them to do well. Uh, it, 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 well, if they're good, I want that to be celebrated. Right. And because I'm a little nervous about the company overall, <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's weird financial stuff you're always hearing about, and it's like. Okay, hopefully these yeah. will be good so that people look at Hitman in in the series and think, for example, I get what you mean about nostalgia, but I'm also hoping some people maybe didn't get one and two because they were too big. And they look at Absolution of Blood Money and say, I can probably bite off this. Right. And so there's, there's two uh, camps there. There's like, you know, the nostalgia camp and then the camp that maybe didn't get into one or two. Because I had people in my Discord, people in your Discord, mm-hmm. who were like, hmm... It's pretty big. Like that's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of weird shit, and it's like, well, maybe a, a more linear, or maybe not linear, but more level based structure might let them get through it, and might make them advance to the the new ones because the new ones are that good, and I I want people to experience them. Yeah, and I I remember Absolution wasn't terribly long. That was like fifteen yeah, th- yeah, hours. 15. Yeah, it was nothing crazy when I played it. So. But man, I, I I had such a bad time at the end of Absolution just because I I cleared my uh what was it called my cache on my 360. Uh-oh. And for some reason, yeah. it erased my entire save data on the entire console. So I had lost <clears throat> I had lost my Hitman save file, and I was pissed. That's yeah, and that because back then, like on the Xbox 360, clearing your cache did something to speed up the system, and I went to go do that. Yeah. And yeah, when I when I found out that I logged in and it was like my save file just was non-existent. 
But that that's happened uh, before where I don't know how it's happened. I Googled it because when I did it, it was for Xenoverse 1. I Googled it because I thought I was dumb as shit. And I accidentally... Oh, why? During boot, right? I, I No, I accidentally uh, pressed options and I went to go close the application for Xenoverse because I was done playing it. But I don't know what went through my head. I went down to delete. I just wasn't thinking. Oh. I deleted the application. And at this point mm-hmm. in time, I think I had like 10 hours in the game. Like I was a decent ways in. I was like, oh God, I just deleted the game. Like I probably just lost my save file. Uh, and so I looked it up where if it was even a point of me re-downloading it at the time because I was like, I'll just move on to something else uh, or just I need to know what I'm getting into. Do I need to restart? And a lot of people were like, yeah, I accidentally deleted my application too. I can't believe I'm not the only one. And and uh, what I was getting at is thank God for cloud save files, man, because I re-downloaded oh, no the game. Shit, and right? my, yeah, I downloaded the, cloud, uh, the save file from the cloud. And I was like, all right, we're good. Everything's still here. And that happens with a lot of games. Like when you re-download them, they're just boom right there. I just hooked up a 360 after I don't know how long of not having one hooked up. And um, I was going to do Skylanders for Christmas with some friends. Oh. And I all of a sudden, I was like, oh, shit. Like, all my stuff's going to be removed. You know, yeah. it didn't even dawn on me. And then it's like, do you want to download the cloud save? And I was all, yes. And it was all there. I was like, oh, this, you forget. Like, you're like, this is the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened. Because... Like a lot of times, or a system will die, and yeah. like on an like on an Android phone, there's some apps that, um, if that phone dies, you're fucked. Like the because it, it's it's matched to the phone, mm-hmm. and it's so nice to have cloud saves and just be like, no matter where you are, just as long as you have internet. Yeah, that happened when I when I tried to transfer phones into my new phone last year. Nothing saved, so I had to redo everything. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and that, and you you don't realize how much stuff you have saved until you have to redo every password, every login, and you're just like, "What was the password I used in fucking 2016 for this arcane software?" Yeah, yeah. And then, only thing that came over was my pictures and videos, though. So I was happy about that. That was good. Anyway, K-Man HD is coming January 11th. Once again, if anyone is interested. And now, we move on over to Bethesda. So, Bethesda has a track record of getting involved in legal disputes. Anyone who's followed them closely for many years knows that they're no strangers to these types of feuds, we'll call them. (laughs) So, one of the latest ones that happened earlier in 2018 was a Westworld mobile game came out. Very similar aesthetically to Fallout Shelter. And now the announcement has come out that Bethesda has resolved the lawsuit over this game. So, the uh, information I'm getting here is from Game Informer. They say, Bethesda Softworks and Behavior Interactive jointly announced today that the parties have amicably resolved the lawsuit Bethesda brought against Behavior and others related to Fallout Shelter and Westworld mobile games. Bethesda said in a statement... While it's not directly named, it is likely that Warner Brother Entertainment is also included in this resolution. At the center of Bethesda's claim was Westworld was in fact reusing code from Fallout Shelter paid for when Behavior was making the game for them. To illustrate this example, Bethesda pointed out that a glitch that went unfixed in Fallout Shelter was reproducible in the exact same way in the Westworld mobile game. Now, while none of the parties have indicated what the resolution entails, it is probable that Bethesda received monetary compensation they were seeking in the original lawsuit. So what do you think about this? Bethesda got a little more money 
if a if a bug is reproducible in the same style of game and all that kind of stuff, yeah, there's pretty much pretty high chance that there was something that was that was taken, or at the very least, the programmer who built it took the exact same code, built that code into the new game, and then the new games got the bug. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this in your Discord, and I think it was Grimblade um, who knows some programming. It was it might have been him and somebody else, but they were talking about it. Oh, and it, it, it is it, it might have been Paperbag too, but it is possible this is something that John Carmack got in trouble for when he left Oculus. id, went to Facebook and Oculus. That was a disaster. And I couldn't understand it because I know that with programming, because I've done a little, you can obviously do things slightly different in some ways, but you assume that a lot of it is ones and zeros and you would do it the same way all the time. And while true, you do find out that there are some things you don't. And a bug like that is something that if it's re- reproducible in the exact same time frame the exact same mm-hmm. way it's most likely probably copied so i would assume bethesda got i would assume bethesda just wanted to win right yeah like e- even if it's called we we decided together we're done you still know that Bethesda's still not going after him so any other company out there sees that as bethesda winning because they didn't you know they weren't told they had to pay the lawyers fees of the company they attacked or anything like that which is pretty normal in america mm-hmm. if you get caught you know frivolous with frivolous lawsuits so most likely it was real i think that bethesda probably got a dollar honestly you know what i mean like one of those things where it's like you pay me what yeah yeah i don't know if bethesda probably went after the money i really do believe it was them trying to prove and sometimes you'll get a company that's like we don't want money we want to to win we want to be proven that this is true and that's all that matters to them i don't know if bethesda really probably asked them for a ton of cash could have, but yeah, I think you make a good point. The only thing that I think they've proven in the past because they've they've chased so many different lawsuits down, and I don't think I've ever heard of a time they're like, "Yeah, we lost." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, with them constantly seeking these these battles out and 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 winning most of them, don't you feel like they've already kind of proven themselves, and that anything else would not obviously they'd still try to protect their property. I think it, it's as simple as that. But do you think that? Maybe they also just say, like, oh, they're using our shit. Let's make some money off of it. It might be let's make some money, but it's probably a small amount. And um, depending. So since the entire – and Reg in my Discord is a programmer, and he's like – with court cases, then we had a lawyer in there who was like, if there's a a percentage of the code, a lot of times somebody will say percentage of the profits – if it's a large percentage of the code, then it's like all the profits. You know, that kind of stuff, I assume – it was more along the lines of um, the the company probably didn't have to hand over source code. It was probably a thing of like, we know that this happened. The company was like, we didn't do it. They decided to go to uh, uh, litigation. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll pay you, you know, whatever. And we'll just move on. I don't know if Bethesda really g- just goes after money. I think Bethesda does go after their IPs, though. I think we, that's been proven. That if Bethesda, or, or I, not only IPs, sorry, but any of this kind of copying, I think that's all Bethesda cares about, is just going after people. They, There was one email, though. Remember that email that the guy got, or the letter that the guy got that was cease and desist, and it was in the letter Bethesda said, we will not only come after you, mm. but we will take, we will, it was written like you described. It was written like, we're going to fucking we're going to erase your family. Like it was a bit, and it was in a form letter. It was a, like a and it, 
it was almost like a threat. And it was like, we won't just do this, but we will demand you pay for our lawyers. We will demand that you, that you all proceeds are given up. So you could be right. Maybe they, maybe they do just want, you know, maybe they are after money. I don't know. Cause it just dawned on me as we're talking that that letter was from Bethesda. And I can't remember who they wrote that to, but it was to a modder, I think, or somebody who, who did something that they felt was unacceptable. And they wrote that big matter of fact, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Look um, that up. Cause I want to say that was a modder, but I'm not sure. Um, it also reminds me of like Bethesda hunting down ones that just didn't really strike me as a red flag. And mm-hmm. uh, one was, I think, it was before they announced announced Fallout Shelter, and they took down a game uh, called I want to say sh- not Shelter, but it was a a vault based game or something like that, and they had mm-hmm. taken it off. And at the time, we didn't know Bethesda Game Studios would get into the mobile market, and that would be a place of continued interest for them. So at the time, people looked at it as like, what the fuck is Bethesda doing? Just like going after companies like this and protecting something that they're never going to do. And they ended up doing it. So that's one that always stuck out to me, too, is that there was that initial introduction of Bethesda looking aggressive because there was nothing attached to their motives. It just looked like they were gunning for a company. So I feel like that's stuck with a lot of folks. It dawned on me, too. They Remember, they went after a notch, the creator of Minecraft, because he named his game Scrolls. Yeah. And they were like, we trademarked the word Scrolls. And they tried to... And he changed it, because he's like, I don't care. It has nothing to do with your game, but it's like, if you guys want that. Um, So, and that's frivolous to me. Mm -hmm. Very frivolous. Um, Like, especially because it's not even the title. Elder Scrolls is the subtitle. So... You know, when you say, well, except when you say Elder Scrolls Six Skyrim, but Skyrim really is what it's named, right? Right. And that's one word out of the two. Scrolls, pretty crazy you would go after them. So, yeah, they do look pretty aggressive now that I look back on a couple other things. I can't find the one that we're talking about, but I can find that one from Notch because he's talking about he's talked about it multiple times. Yeah. So, yeah, they've definitely gone after. Yeah, for sure. It's wild, man. I mean, I can't say I'm shocked at this point when I see this news. Because at the end of no. the day, they're doing what any sensible company would do. Protect your property. Mm-hmm. Make sure no one's yeah. abusing it. And if they are, make them pay the consequences. It's just that they are always a name popping up. Always. Right. I don't know if always. other companies just keep it clean or they they keep it kind of off the radar. Or maybe press doesn't cover it because it doesn't happen as often versus Bethesda, who's just always in the mix. Always taking right. someone on. Gotta wonder, man. Gotta wonder. All right, next on the list, let's take a look at that. We've got, come on, phone, load it up. It, it, well, it wasn't not loading. It was just the fact that, for some reason, created a new note. A indie studio comprised of former Hearthstone devs gets $30 million investment to create a Marvel game. This information comes from Kotaku.com. Um, let's see here. Where do I begin? Second Dinner, a new indie studio founded by Broad, former Hearthstone executive producer Hamilton Chu, and several other ex-Blizzard employees announced today that it's gotten a $30 million investment from the Chinese company NetEase and that its first game will be set in the Marvel Universe. The company is hiring new staff in Irvine, California. This news comes after a rough 2018 for Blizzard, one that saw the departure not just of Broad and Chu, but its CEO, Mike uh more haim gonna go with that 
who left the company last October. It was a year full of frugality for the iconic studio as cost cutting became the watchword. Current and former Blizzard employees continue to express fear about Activision's growing influence on companies through executives like Chief Operating Officer Armin Zerza. Fans also revolted after a disastrous BlizzCon keynote in November 2018 that closed with the announcement of Diablo Immortal, a game for phones. Incidentally, NetEase, the company funding Second Dinner, is also a co-developer on Diablo Immortal. It has partnered with Blizzard on the Chinese versions of games like Hearthstone and World of Warcraft, and last June, it invested $100 million in Bungie for a new IP. So, looks like NetEase has some money to toss around. What do you think this indie studio Marvel game is going to be if it's from the former developers uh, of Hearthstone. It's going to be exactly what it sounds like. Card game, you think? It's going to be, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's Netties too. If you know Netties' history, that's the type of games that they make. Oh, really? That's ex- Yep, yep. That's I didn't know it was Netties until you just mentioned it. I had no clue. Yeah. So that is most likely exactly what it's going to be. I would like to see... I don't have a problem with card games. Like, I know a lot of people do, and mm-hmm. I get that. Um, I don't, but what I would like to see is a card game. Uh, there's a couple that do this. I would like to see a card game that um, maybe shows you the, the creature on the card or it does a little bit more. So right now, the graphics in most card games is, like, you put a card up and, like, flash or fire, you know, is burning on the card. If, if there's monsters in your game or anything like that, I'd like to see some 3D effects and shit. And I think with Marvel, they're one of the groups that might do that. One of the big things, though, is Marvel also has two of the biggest uh, board games right now. They've got Legend- Legendary makes a, a Marvel board game, and then um, uh, there's one more I can't remember. But they're both big collectible card or not collectible, sorry, but they're both board games that are based on uh, tabletop stuff. So I could see them going that route, too, where they're just turning... Uh, one of the current board games into a game too, hmm. which would be interesting to see because Legendary is a fa- is it's fantastic as a card game, and it doesn't require more money. You you know you buy it and that's it. You col- you collect into your own hand, but you don't. There's no rare cards out there. Okay. So um, I, I'm actually I'm sort of excited about it because I would like to see them do that. If it's if it's typical artifact like Valve's card game or whatever, then I just don't give a fuck. Like, that's the problem, is yeah, card only, games to me... I only watched a little aren't... bit of uh, Artifact. Artifact? like, three lanes, right? There's, like, three different card games going on or something like that? Yeah, and I, like, I couldn't... I watched a little bit of it and was, like, so turned off by, like, pretty much everything that I, I never... Like, I, I don't know a single thing about it other than what it generally looks like. Yeah. The idea of a Marvel card game, though... <clears throat> I wonder... How that would be because i've been playing on my phone kind of like a, a free time game like if i'm just chilling there right like 10 minutes uh, i downloaded marvel strike force because i saw that the game had kind of turned it around i yeah. read initial articles that there were some really big issues with it it was like players were like saying they were going to leave it and all this stuff um and and then i came in i, I feel at like the right time where they they reward you a lot for that style of game at least it's very much like star wars galaxy of heroes where you collect shards to unlock iconic characters in the franchise and the way you do that is by repeating battles and certain little campaigns and stuff but the game like i said it does reward you a lot for its style of game and it being free to play 
and so seeing that, and then we saw the the rise and fall of Marvel Heroes Omega, which is mm-hmm. oh man, I wish that game was still around. Heart Dude, I brain. still have it. I have it installed on my consoles, and I, I refuse to remove it. I don't blame it's, you. It doesn't work. I've tried. <laughs> I've been like, you. maybe there's a server running. Dude, it was so good. I know. So good. I know. And I, my mm. friends and I got into it so late. So once we got it, we started playing yep. it, and they were like, we're shutting it down. I'm like, well, why are we going to play this then if we know it's going away? So it, I don't even want to talk. That That's one of the few games that actually physically depresses me, the idea that that no longer exists. Yeah, right. So what I noticed with these Marvel games is we're seeing them kind of uh, trickle into other genres. So a card game is one. I actually wasn't aware of this legendary card game. I don't know anything about it, so I'm going to have to look into it. But a digital card game based off Marvel characters, um, mm-hmm. there's, that sounds like just a lot of opportunity. And yep. it sounds like something that could be really cool. It also sounds like something that could make a studio a lot of money, quite honestly, because it is Marvel. But uh, it's interesting to see a superhero-styled game come without like an official announcement from the marvel team with like a trailer and stuff it's like that's why i think it's gonna be yeah a smaller yeah it's gotta be but a 30 million dollar investment i mean that is a lot of money for what we're calling a a smaller title right It, it is but i do think that they one thing that these card games have not taken advantage of no card game has right now other than board game versions um taken advantage of the fact that all of these and remember i just got into comics so i don't know as much as you about them but um new 52 and then you have rebirth and all this stuff i think that these companies are looking at those and going we haven't branched out like at all really Mm -hmm. into gaming in 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 a way that's not just freemium that's not just jump gotcha. in and, you know, and have your guys battle. Gotcha. So, wow. My phone just picked up oh, what I said. Your you phone that? just, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> your phone's like, gotcha. Um, it, it's wow. like when I say the name of my Alexa. But so you look at um, Legendary, for example. It's a card game and it requires no other money. And you can buy expansions based on comic book series. So to me, I could see them saying, okay, it's we're going to make a Legendary style game and then as we adjust and have storylines in our comic book universe, Mm. if you want, you can buy those. And what's nice, my hope is, is that it's not, there are no rares. It's not like that. My hope is it's not that kind of game. My hope is that their content and the money they make is by merging it with the comic books, which they have not done. They've always done rare, bronze, gold, fucking super yellow fucking chrome and it's like every card there was a rare and you'd go to ebay and buy it or get a digital code and and get that kind of shit instead i would just love for them to say okay batman's got a series called you know uh fucking court of owls then and even though this is dc but i'm just saying and they're like okay we've got a court of owls expansion that you can buy for your main game and everybody can use them because legendary dc comic book uh dc card builder those are two of the best board games you could probably get that don't require, if you don't want to, any extra purchases. They're completely playable for years by themselves. And I would, I, my hope is, is that NetEase would do that. The problem is, is I think NetEase ain't that kind of company. Let me look them up. I'm pretty sure NetEase is um, the one that they did um, another Marvel game. Yeah, let me know. Cause... Chinese, yeah, Chinese company was founded... Um, so that's my hope, but my, like I said, but my worry is, is that it's, it is going to be, 
Let's see. They did, huh? It, the, a lot of the shit they have done is either mobile or helping others. They operate Overwatch currently right now for Blizzard or for yeah for in in China they handle all Overwatch. Wow. They they did all testing for Diablo three. Like they so you know what I mean? It's weird. Like what they do is weird. Um. Yeah. So launched free to play digital strategy game Hearthstone. Yeah. I don't know, man. My hope is, though, that they copy the board games and not this typical stuff. There's enough freemium games out there. Netmarble is a company that releases. They've got like 18 Marvel games. And they're all the very typical fight for a little while, then buy some energy to fight again, you know, or wait. Well, that's exactly you know, what that Strike kind of... Force is at some point. Just yeah. They give you so and much I... energy that I'm usually, right. I can just kind of rip right through it and and I think these companies are sitting on gold mines that have their own card, uh, have their own comic book um, series because they haven't done it like the way I'm describing. And I think that there is a massive amount of money to be played or to be made by actually rewarding the gamer with not grifting them instead of grifting them. Because everybody's getting grifted and there's only so much money. So if you and I are playing Dragon, what's the game? The Dragon card Ball game? Dra- Dragon Ball. Yeah. If you and I are playing that, then I want to play Arkham, I have to decide which one my five bucks goes to. Right. But if this company is like, hey, you know, and maybe sponsor some championships, what have you, and they're like, hey, you buy this once, and the only thing you, if you want to buy are these other storylines, fuck, I'm, I'm all in for that. And we've seen something like this. Talisman, Talisman was a huge board game, and a company bought it and did just that. They did digital versions on Android, iPhone, and PC of Talisman, the board game didn't require anything else. Wow. It was the full game. So I would love for more companies to do this. That's my hope. That's I'm crossing my fingers for that. Yeah. I, if I were to draw a game comparison, personally, I, I'd hope it'd be something like Thronebreaker. I think that's an idea of a game that manages the overworld, yeah. accessibility, but yet a complex card game tucked away inside it. And I think a lot of companies are going to take a page from what CD Projekt Red did and pursue it with their own franchises because yeah i think it's hard to just by pure namesake alone i I think it's hard to convince people to go and spend 30 of their dollars on a digital card game when they're like i could go buy hitman half off or whatever um but if it is more of what you'd see in your standard games like an overworld you're exploring Mm -hmm. you're looting yep and and the way fights are handled, like in Thronebreaker, are so varied and require different methods of approach each time around. I think it becomes more of a video game. It engages the player in a, in a way yeah. that card games sometimes don't. And I think that Marvel could really benefit from something like that just by namesake alone. You know, Thronebreaker, The Witcher, pretty popular name for hardcore gamers, but I don't think mainstream alone right would would get that done um or i would would hear about this game whereas marvel it's just instant attention getter right there so yeah and i mean there's there are a lot of these games out there that um it it does feel like some card companies are picking up on this too Mm -hmm. which and you you even see it the anti well i i mean being honest that's how i started my channel anti-establishment reviews then you have anti- free-to-play games that are like, we're going to offer you everything with no free-to-play. Then you have games that are like, we're not going to charge you anything. We're anti-upfront money, mm-hmm. and we'll slowly 
you know, dole out things if you want to buy them to get you to pay there. So there's all these different versions. But the one that hasn't been done much is the Thronebreaker style, which is yeah. it's all just there. It's yeah. all it. There is no other thing to buy, and, and you don't feel right. ripped off. It's thirty dollars. Thirty dollars yeah. for a thirty-hour yeah. story. Tons of new cards and ones that you can take into the free-to-play version of Gwent. It was a great, I thought, great business structure and very consumer-friendly. Yeah, risk. I'm I'm actually excited for this. I mean, I'm tentative, <sighs> but I'm excited for this because I do feel that of all the companies, Marvel and DC just have not taken advantage of the major strength they have, which is these comic book lines. And they, at some point, somebody's got to say, oh, shit, like, this is going to sound really off-topic. But even, this will never happen, but even podcasts that were like um, audio dramas right, and, and stuff like that, like things that, because it's always movies, it's always movies, it's always cartoons, it's always, and, and if it's a game, it has to be this big flashy 3D fighting game or something like that, or, or these free-to-play, but there is this market there of people who are like, I'd love to jump in if I felt that I didn't have to fight with Maddie over a rare card. Mm. That. Dude, that's why I asked you guys when you and Takedown were talking about Dragon Ball. I was like, listen, does the person who buys the starter pack have a chance? Like, that's, yeah, it's a big like, deal to a lot of people. Right. It's a, but you guys were explaining that it's not that hard to get a chance once you, you know, do a couple things and, and, and get a couple extra cards. Um, so it's one of the better ones. But, yeah, I, um, I'm yeah, actually sort of funny, excited for it's this. It's funny you say that because going back to another free-to-play Marvel example, when I was playing Strike Force, uh, there's a mode called Arena where you fight other players, the computer version of other Their characters. Teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, my squad right now is Luke Cage, Spider-Man, The Punisher, uh, Jessica Jones, and Crossbones. And out of all those characters... Um, they're, well, number one, you can unlock all of them for free, but off the bat, they give you Luke Cage, Spider-Man, The Punisher, uh, mm-hmm. like they, they and, and Crossbones. They just give you all of them for free right away. And they're still, even in the... I'm level 40 now, still in the kind of middle of the game, able to use them, fight other teams who are still using them as well, and unlocking tons of other stuff to build different teams. So... yeah. I'm not saying Marvel Strike Force, for those of you who, who maybe have played it way longer than I, I've only played it for right now. I think my clock says 15 days on it. Like, you know, I've logged in 15 days, rather. Um, I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying that uh, they didn't make their mistakes. But I am saying that what I see now, I, I would like some form of replication. And if they're going to take the freemium route, that there is this sense in Strike Force that there is attainability. That as long as I'm patient, I can get what I need. It's just... You know, the money offers are there. I don't want them to take that route, though. You know, if you want to keep that shit to mobile, by all means, that's kind of the market there. But if we're if we're making a $30 million investment in a game, I imagine there will be, and it's a card game, I imagine there will be microtransactions, but I don't did you know ever play? Did you ever play the Marvel game? Um, and I loved this game. It was an Android game where you would travel around the world and you had different characters and then you would fight like in Mortal Kombat, but you only had a couple buttons. It was like weak, strong, they, they and then that and you too, didn't they? Sort of, but it, 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 yeah, actually, it was sort of a copy of this, and I just can't remember the name. But I, if something like that would also get, I would also like where like it's a so magic of all things, the gathering arena. I don't know if you ever played that. that. Yeah, the old that. game where like you would get the three D fighters coming in, 
Oh, is I that the one I'm talking about? I thought you were talking. No, it, I'm not of? talking about. Yeah, you you are probably talking about that. I'm probably getting the name wrong because you know Magic better than me. But on the 360, there was a Magic game oh, okay, where you would one. play the card game, and then you would you had like avatars. Your avatars would actually come out, and they would have powers from the cards, and they would 3D fight. Ooh. But it was a it it wasn't like Virtual Fighter or something that detailed. It was more it was more light, almost like a Streets of Rage. You know, running around, gotcha. you know, just fighting people. Couple buttons. And I like that. I like the mix of that. And so um, cool. I'm looking right now. I can't fucking remember the name of this. Yeah, because I think but it was Arena by... was the beta that came out just recently. That was like a free-to-play card game. And I, yeah, I okay. love that. Yeah, it's, it's literally Magic the Gathering that. online. It's, it's great stuff. Um, and that's coming from someone who's not that great at Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I can't believe... Yeah, fuck. It, Net, I think Netmarble made it. I'm going to look this up real quick. Because um, to me... Like, you know, if we can get this kind of stuff, I don't know why companies don't jump on the chance of this stuff. Maybe maybe I'm not understanding, like, the money situation, and they absolutely, maybe their servers cost so much. Maybe that's what it is, and so that's why they go this shitty freemium route. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that there's multiple ways where these companies could fucking nail it if they just gave the players some shit. Like, and it sounds like the game you're playing at least for some amount, is giving you shit. Like, giving you items to unlock, and that's yeah. half of the fucking game right and there. I think like, that shouldn't be made of such a big deal of if the game is, you're paying for it, but if it's a freemium right. game, they're obviously right. going to look to make ends meet by you buying microtransactions afterwards. But I like when, uh, it's like when Fallout Shelter launched. I, I think you can still kind of do it now with Fallout Shelter, um, but I know once they added Nuka-Cola Quantum, that's when I kind of just dropped off the game because I felt like at that point there was a lot of encouragement to pay or be patient once again. But uh, when that game launched, it was very much always throwing you a bone, keeping you looped in, and that was during a time where the, a big point of discussion in that game uh, or, or, of the industry was how mobile games are just very much focused on squeezing the money out of you for absolutely nothing. Right. So seeing games start to throw you bones a little bit more, uh, it's definitely encouraging. I'm going to find this fucking thing because <laughs> I want you to play this game because I actually think you will like it. I fucking cannot believe I can't find this. Somebody, I'm sure, right now has written it already in the YouTube comments. But, dude, I'm telling you, like, it is, it is such a great mix of, like, car- collectible stuff with a, 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 a very, fairly shallow 3D fighting game. Um and it even looked amazing. Like, it was... I'm not going to find it, I bet. That's the, that's another problem. If I'm not finding it, does that mean it's defunct? And if it does, then... Is it a digital-only game? Like, from an Xbox this was This was cell phone. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm not looking for the Magic one. Oh, I'm looking for that net marble, oh. marble one now. Um, oh. uh, because I don't think I'm going to be able to find them. Well, actually, I could probably find that one, too. But I just, I really wanted to show this one in particular to you because if you're liking the game you're playing, I'm, I, I was like under the, I'm, I was like, I have a feeling he'll really like this one, but I'm not going to yeah. find it. Let me look at that. So it was uh, Magic Gathering. Okay. It was called Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds. I, yeah, it looks like Magic Gathering. Okay, okay. Xbox, original Xbox. 
It's a real strategy game based on Magic Gathering collectible card game with some fundamental differences. The game's based on the creation of heroes and mages that summon forth powerful magic spells and abilities. Duelists learn new spells, and then you basically jump into an actual battleground and fight. Wow. That's very cool. old. Original Xbox. That's so, still super cool, though. Yeah, if that's yeah, and I like on, that idea. Uh, backwards compatible. Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I wonder how they even choose backwards compatible because there's been, uh, like, five of the Skylanders are, but then one's not. And I've always wondered if there's an IP issue because I think that's the one that had Spyro in it. And so I've always wondered if, like, a lot of these backwards compatible games get chosen by how easy they would be to get without spending a shit ton of cash. And it makes you, you wonder know? how they got KOTOR 1 and 2 backwards compatible because that's been the, the age old Still wonder for those fuckers that, uh, yeah, we yeah. can't remake it because of licensing rights. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah I, sure, sure. It's do Star you Wars, think, but we can't find a way. Do you think that maybe they got that because Knights of the Old Republic exists and they were like, because it exists, maybe they went to them. Who knows? Like maybe, because I can't remember who does Knights of the Old Republic, but it's a the different company. They were... T- that, sorry, I'm talking about online. Oh, okay. Um, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm wondering if KOTOR 1 and 2 got backwards compatible because online exists. And online, yeah. they even said, hey, it's not canon, but it's doing really well, so we're going to leave it running. Um, so I can't remember what... To me. It is, too, because, not to be rude, but it's better than most new Star Wars stuff. And yeah. it's like uh, the old Republic is some of the most intriguing... It's good. It, like, it's it's much better now than when I had first. Much played better. It. Yeah, you you didn't like it. I remember. Yeah. And now I, I actually do enjoy it. I haven't played it yeah. in uh, about a month, but what I I mean I sunk a good twenty plus hours into it real fast, all free to play. I mean it was it was really great. What was there? Um, yeah, man. I hope Star Wars figures their shit out to tell you the truth. Yeah, me too. Because it feels like it feels like they're never they're yeah. never going to. We're just going to be stuck. The so same that EA shit. deal ends, then I think we'll see some change. You think that's maybe you think like in some ways connected to in I particular that? I feel like it's got to be a a bad deal. Just it, it, to me, that's just what it what it screams to me. I know EA is very stagnant in some ways, but I I can't help but feel like they can't be just looking at Marvel and and DC. And all these companies who explore, in, or uh, even Rage 2, where you're exploring multiple developers collaborating or having a vision and, and a company that fits it. And EA can't be sitting there with sitting on the Star Wars license and going, oh, let's not do that, right? Like, right. They're, even if at worst they are the most money-hungry, greedy people in the industry, that would only serve to motivate them to look into partnering with different companies to make money off this license they probably did not pay uh, a very cheap amount for. So I have to think that they just have some bad deal in place here that's keeping them very stagnant. They've had, it is now year six of their deal, and they have had two Battlefront games. And maybe this year we'll get the, the, the Respawn one. We'll actually get something different from Star Wars, which would be nice. Um, and maybe this, you know, like we were having a, uh, right now I sound pretty negative on Star Wars and it's cause I fucking love Star Wars. Maybe right. that, that yeah. tune changes when the new Star Wars movie comes out at the end of this year alongside the game and, and maybe everything's positive again and all is right in the Star Wars world. But right now it's just very concerning with that EA deal. Very concerning. Right, well, we'll see in due time. 
our last topic of the show is Half-Life. So, Carrick, you made me aware of this story right before we had fired this lovely show up. Um, pretty much, I have the general gist. You can give us the finer details if you have them available. That Yeah, you we... want me to just read the Eurogamer? Yeah, you know what? Go for it. Let's do it that way. Okay. Uh, so, it just says Valve writer Eric Wolpa, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, rejoins the company. Eric Wolpa, best known for his work on Portal and Half-Life 2 episodes, has rejoined Valve after more than a year away. He left Valve in February 2017 to work on Double Fine's upcoming Psychonauts sequel. He co-wrote the original Psychonauts back in 2005 before his decade-long stint at Valve. While at Valve, he worked on Half-Life 2, Episode 1 and 2, Portal, Left for Dead, and Portal 2. His departure in 2017 was seen as a symptom of Valve's recent lack of game releases and came after the exodus also of Jay Pinkerton, Chet Belensk, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but Mark Late. Mark Laidlaw, which is probably the most important other than him about this, and uh, Mark's returned as well. So, you know, Half-Life 3 fans are, are, I mean, I'm sure they're hoping that what that means is that Valve has finally decided to go the Half-Life 3 route. Don't know if that is what it means. I don't know. I I don't want to sit here and say never. Because I think there is a chance, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like if it were to happen, it would have already happened, right? They they knew the demand was there. They knew money was there. Uh, yeah, they and they skipped a, out on it all. They ta- made a ton more, maybe, by taking the route of Dota and uh, what else? Um, Counter-Strike? Was Counter-Strike Valve? Counter-Strike, yep. Okay. Counter-Strike, uh, Dota. um Left for Dead, yeah. Portal. Portal. I mean, but Portal. Portal sold well, but I'm. I mean, I feel it like wasn't Portal's like a, a critical a, darling. A like a co-op game that like everyone's played at least once. Yeah, yeah. Portal Two, rather. That that's a fantastic co-op game. Uh, I just wonder if, as they kind of went that path, that they were like, "Why do we need Half Life Three? Like, what what do they accomplish now by doing it? How many years later? And with the amount of excitement can you imagine if you were a developer on that and you know what people are expecting it's it's beyond anything it's way beyond like diablo it's way beyond i mean it it's legitimately one of the largest like well-known titles ever it it, it, i mean i would love to see it happen we joked around that it would be a card game and that's what I was la- when I told you I had spent 30 minutes laughing in the podcast. That's actually what I was laughing about is because a card game surprised me so much. Like, why the fuck would it be a card game? But that's just exactly the weird shit that's going on in the industry right now. Where, like, it wouldn't surprise me if that, if they were like Half Life 3, the card game. And you're like, what the fuck? It makes no sense. Um, but it's a huge title. But man, dude, the, the expectations and, like you said, the money, like what they're, um, what they walked away from when it was a huge deal, because it's not as huge of a deal now because a lot, you know, some gamers have died. (laughs) I mean, Half-Life 1 was Dreamcast era. I don't think people realize there's a Dreamcast version of Half-Life 1. So obviously the game series has been around forever. Um, But imagine, oh, and unfortunately two of the major actors have passed away. Wow. So you would have to replace a boy not that that could stop anything but you would have to yeah have to replace a boy. i mean hmm. did you play half-lives uh did you even play because you the were first one 
I played never, the first one. Gotcha. I never got around to playing the second one. But I played yeah, both I mean, portals. You played both portals? What did you yeah. think of those? I love portal. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's not like uh, I didn't play the second Half-Life because I didn't want to. I just I never got around to it. I, I always um, remember, though, making a video uh, about, like, it was in 2015, I think. I was just like, I, I talked about Fallout 4 not being the next Half-Life 3. <laughs> I remember that so well. Not oh, what was said in the video, but I just remember being like, yeah, it's... Guys, like, this is not the same case whatsoever. But, yeah, man, uh, Half-Life's just a franchise that... Uh, part of what stopped me from going to the second one is, like, I don't even know if there's going to be a third one. And I know the way the second one right. ends, everyone's hyped because what could have been in the third one was awesome. And... Now we haven't seen that third one, so why why join in on the agony of others when I could just go play something else that might be? Continuing? On the other hand, what that could also mean is a new you know a new title from them that has great writers because you don't hire writers for a card game. Yeah, that though at least you don't probably hire those guys Unless for it's card game. <laughs> Unless, yeah, right. Unless it's a Thronebreaker style game, yeah, where yeah. they do a narrative. I mean, I don't know anything. Valve um, consistently flummoxes me. Like they, I mean, every, everything from steam and how shitty that's run to just like the way they do things. You never quite know. You're like artifact really. And then everything was free. It was fucking pay to play an artifact like that blew people away. I mean, it was insane of a company out there that you would think now, remember, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but Gabe left Microsoft because of Microsoft's tactics. Mm -hmm. He was very big in his antagonism towards microsoft and their money-making schemes and all this stuff and then they release artifact and you're yeah. like how how the mighty have fallen yeah <laughs> a little bit a little bit yeah so I, I i would love to see it but um it would have to be dude it would almost have to include one and two because people would need to to know what what was even going on because a lot of people haven't played you know those games I think part of it's maybe Valve has had different ideas for the franchise. Like, hey, maybe we could reboot it. Maybe we could take it this direction. But the, the way that expectations are there, it's not even people are expecting the greatest game ever. They're just like, yeah, we want a third one. It has right. to be a third right. one. There can't be anything else. That story has to continue. That vision has to continue. And maybe the inside of that has more knowledge than what um, on the situation. What we have, yeah. Yeah, obviously, more than what we have, but more so what I'm saying is perhaps there was a vision there that they, do, they don't want to compromise and maybe they can't complete because you were talking about how like certain people passed away. It's like people in yeah. the company too. It's like, you know, the, the original visionaries for this project, you know, are they still there and able to do what they had originally planned? Is there a lack of decisiveness on that end? Um, just because the the pressure's there, the expectations are there. Can we even do this game right? Do we just turn, tuck our tails and run? You know, that type of thing. It's I feel like there's so much mystery behind it. Well, and they did, you know, Portal had pretty good writing. Portal 1 and 2. Well, not yeah. pretty good. Very good. It was just negative space writing a lot of times. It was, like, on purposely vague. Um, yeah. You know, maybe they're looking at a game. I mean, and man, I don't want to start anything with fucking people watching, but... It, like Left for Dead, the next one. What if it's a battle royale style game or something right. like that? Like, and and they want to put narrative in it, like the Codex in Destiny. You know, as in not outside of the game, but I mean, build a world that mm. feels real so that people get into it. Because I, be I will say, yeah, exactly right. Because that's what I was going to say is that no one's really made you care about a battle royale world. 
You're just there. Yeah, Fortnite did it to an extent by doing like that did random it? thing in the desert. I think it was like a big burger or whatever that people started oh, gotcha. flying in the desert. Yeah. So, yeah, there was there was cool like real world things happening that connected to the game. Um, and because Fortnite's got so much money to f- show, they they um, did something else that I saw Jeff Keighley tweet about, where like the game was moving with the real. World. Oh no, it was, I'm sorry, it wasn't even Fortnite. It was Red Dead. I apologize. T- scratch that. Oh. Um. It was it was Red Dead had like Christmas Carol or something. I said it. I think on the podcast with Takedown. Um, oh yeah, you guys did. But just so you know, you're right about Fortnite having something. They have the um, stone statue that mm-hmm. moves. Oh. And people have been tracking it. It's in the center of the. Uh, it's in the center of one of the maps, and like people have tracked it in the last couple months, and like you know, it's like slowly moving. And then they had the big box that like changed the world. But what I mean is like narrative. Like it would be interesting to see a company attempt to make a battle royale not only make sense from a jump in and play, but like a, a live, because that is is an open world with a battle royale in its center of the future. Like we don't know. Like that, and if somebody does it right, it could be. Um, Plants vs. Zombies. You ever played that series? Yes. So, Plants vs. Zombies 2 had probably one of the best multiplayer style things I've ever seen, which is where you come out in your single player game, and in the back, if you go into the back of the city, mm-hmm. there's an actual flag, and people are fighting over the flag, but they're multiplayer, and you're just like, whoa, it's like it, it injects it into the game world, it and an it's always. Design. Oh, dude, it, it was. stuck with it, me. Even though I wasn't in love with the game, it, it just always yep. stuck with me. Yeah, it's a really smart design decision. And um, maybe a bigger title like this is like, okay, we're going to make a world where Battle Royale makes sense. Because Planetside's trying to do it. And mm-hmm. Planetside um, probably has a fairly good grasp on, on how to get it done. But it would be cool to see those guys be like, okay, here's our Battle Royale. And it's you know a world you'd care about and want to be there in some way. Right. Interesting. Especially now. Good ideas. Good ideas. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against, like, a, a, I won't say a narrative focus, but a, a world building, like, you know, based off, if if they kind of, how could I, how could I best explain this? This has nothing to do with Half-Life, but I imagine they could create a fiction where, okay, obviously every Battle Royale map is going to be the same in the terms of the, the map itself, physically. But if we create this idea that maybe they're in like this program and they're dropping into this entirely new world each time and build a fiction around that where um, they leave like little clues and and lore notes behind and you kind of build it out yourself and learn about it yourself. Um, It can create this uh, ecosystem almost in the game where the player keeps like dropping into this battle royale, learning about the world each time and building more on what's happening maybe outside the program. Like I said, this is just a random off the top of my head idea on how they could put a narrative into a battle royale, but explain why you keep dropping onto the same map and trying to kill everyone around you. Well, especially with battle royales right now, there isn't a ton of them that also have uh, uh, PVE at the same time, right. an overlap. So it's like, what if they're all in space stations and you get your own station, the better you do, maybe you can put shit in it, what have you, but you're always dropping down into these areas to fight over contested lands and occasionally you know there is the big monster that pops up what have you and you're doing these things and it ju- they just explain all of this stuff maybe there's places you can go mm-hmm. because open world dude is open world is becoming with red dead almost unattainable by other companies and what i have thought in the past is will we see a game where it takes the open world and merges a battle royale in it so that even if it's not as big of an open world as a Red Dead, but so that 
we see a merging of the uh, genres versus an explosion of the single one. Because how much bigger can a game get? Yeah. Re- I, they can get uh, they can get awesomely bigger, but usually their narrative fails. It falls apart. So instead of making it bigger, as it, like an MMO would do, or Dragon Age Inquisition, they instead are like, we're going to fucking tighten it. You have a battle royale plus this other sort of entity and world that exists that you're able to do. Because even MMOs I've played, uh, free-to-play ones, have added battle royale modes because it's so right. popular. Right on. So it's like, it would be interesting to see a professional company. Not professional, that's a bad way to say it. Uh, a, a, a big publisher Got go it. out and do that. That's, that's well-known. You know, this is completely off topic, but I keep thinking about it. It's probably because I've been playing Pokemon recently, but I've heard rumors that um, like the next Pokemon game is going to be kind of like Breath of the Wild tier. Like it's going to be in that same style of openness. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, man. Like that would be crazy. You mean you mean like you're replace the main character in Zelda with the, the pet trainer? With the Pokemon trainer, yeah, yeah, and like you're in that type of open world space, not not exactly yeah. Breath of the Wild, but like you're in that open world space, and it's that big and expansive, like ooh. yep, yep. That well, but and that's that's the thing because it, it makes sense because Pokemon actually has a game system that works, but it's its own thing, mm-hmm. it's its own game system. But imagine them mixing in like the open world of a Zelda. Yes, I, I like I I honestly believe that that's where at some point some company is going to go. Because we've already seen companies mix mini games into their games. We've seen all of these companies try different things. We've seen, yeah. And so it's like it only makes sense to me that somebody looks at Battle Royale and says we can't be Call of Duty's version of Battle Royale because they've already they've nailed that battle or what's the other one, the shit one, PUBG. I mean shit is in it doesn't run well. Um, you've got that one that's doing its own thing. It's like, I could see a company coming in and saying, I've, we're doing this. I've always been a big proponent of when it comes to Battle Royale that they would try to implement some type of RPG mechanics. Like, because mm-hmm. it's always about the, the, the people identify the best loot in the game. They're like, okay, I got my level three armor. I got this weapon that's, you know, ranked the best weapon, like a KN, for example, for Blackout mode. Like, that's the best we- one of the best weapons you can get in that it's like, okay, I got my K and I got my level three armor and people narrow down what the best loot is. But what if there was a leveling process and, and I've told you about this before, but like different roles within the leveling system. Like I find it so hard to believe that no one has considered a, a right. leveling system to tie into your looting process. Cause it's always about drop in loot, try to get the best loot, kill everyone around you, survive with your team. But imagine if there was also abilities and powers that you can upgrade progressively each time and, you're just restarting from level one. You're level one each time, and just and 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 that's just like a new element added to it. Like I, I find it so hard to believe that's something that's never been done before, and that I, I would not be shocked if at some time this year we saw a battle royale game in, implement some type of RPG mechanics. Because yeah, yeah, no, I mean I think that makes total sense. You mean yeah. classes and like maybe uh, maybe not stats, or do you mean stats too? Like I'd say, or, classes, or do you just mean classes. more classes? I'd say classes, abilities, unlocks. Um, Stats could be something like because this is an idea I've never tried to like fine tune by any means. But if you were to like make a healer class, uh, a damage class, a defense class, and the list goes on, and then give like you know lots of skill trees that kind of branch out. So each time you can build something a little bit differently if you want, based off how your team's constructed and how your teammates play. Like oh yeah. this time my support class is going to be 
straight HP healing. But let's say there's magic in this game, so you have a friend who's an attack-style character, he shoots fireballs, maybe you could restore his mana a little bit quicker with your support class because he's really good with that fireball and you want to keep restoring him and letting him just rain hell on people. That's a thought I've always personally had on how they could move the Battle Royale genre forward. I think narratively is is one thing that I'm uh, was, I'm also shocked that we haven't seen. I think it was only a matter of time, but with the RPG elements, I feel like there's almost a little bit of that already there with the looting and building a character out. Even if it's very light in the scheme of things compared to the most hardcore of RPGs, there's still that looting decking your character out. So it's like the last thing that's missing is a temporary leveling system, almost like a MOBA. Start off at level 1 in a MOBA, you go to level 20, boom, you're maxed out. Game ends, you start it over again, you're level 1. And you gotta level up again and do the right build. But this A game time, that did... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, but this time there's more options. Because MOBA, it's usually just about leveling up so much that everything's kind of filled out. Like, your character's almost at max power. Where this one, I'm offering the idea of, like, multiple branching trees based off team builds. Um, I was just gonna say, there's two games that have little parts of this battleborn which we both liked. oh yeah battleborn had you level up as you played remember because you'd mm. start at level zero and you had to do better and better but another one is called um Sh- shadowrun it was for the xbox 360 and it was <laughs> a shooter <laughs> it was a shooter with classes full so you'd have a magic user class that could like or a healer that could build a tree in the center mm. of the world and it would literally come up and then people who were under it the leaves would fall heal them um, right. like, but you had, it was shooter mechanics as well the entire time. And it didn't do well because I don't think people were ready for a shadow run shooter. They weren't ready for that. Now it would be eaten up. It would mm-hmm. like people would, of course, and shadow runs done so much better now with, um, the, the, the multiple titles that have come out and done well, but yeah, I would die for that. Like I was, while you were talking, I was, I was sitting here going, imagine a game where let's say it's based. Like, I don't even know, technological, arcane, what have you, but if I have, like, a gun of a certain type and a rifle of a certain type and I'm a certain type of character, what if, like, when I pull out the gun, like, I can feed the electricity from the rifle into the handgun and do more damage? Like, there, like you could mix all these things. If, if, like, I was a lightning fucking fighter or something like yeah. that, like, all these things could be mixed together. And you could do some crazy shit that I think would stop what happens in a lot of battle royales, which is either hiding, because I've seen a lot of people win a battle royale by doing nothing. And it happens a lot. And in fact, I have a lot of people in my Discord right now who can get very close to winning almost every match of PUBG by not going around anybody, letting everybody else fight, and then shoot like one guy and be number one right, and win. Right. Um, I, I would, and we were talking about this, and I would love to see a thing that sort of made the world more active. Because mm-hmm. the world isn't very active except Fortnite, which you construct, but the world itself is not active. It's just Building's just there. place to hold loot. It's like Forza Horizon 3 versus 4. Three's world was always in summer, or Blizzard Mountain was winter, but then you get 4, where it's changing the entire terrain. And so it's like, what if you could get a Battle Royale game with seasons? Or, you know, and it's like suddenly... A, a battleground, you normally can see an enemy 100 yards out, you got your sniper rifle, you drop down, now it's snowy. Because we don't even have weather in most of these games. Yeah, only like, only like when they're updated, if, that, if, if that's what you're getting at, right? Because I know Fortnite yeah. had an update that added like snow to the mountains and stuff like that. But you're talking about yeah. like, as it goes on, like dynamic weather occurs, it's like, fuck, it's Dude. raining and foggy now. Yeah, PUBG, you come, you know, you land on your parachute, but it's like, what if you're going in through the snow 
and you don't know now where the other people are dropping. So you're like, fuck, because I can't see anything because there's snow clouds. And I'm, yeah, and so you have to think on your feet of like, how is the world interacting? Because, oh, that's what I was going to say. The other big problem, I think, with Battle Royales is, you know, when you get together, the person with the better weapon, as long as they're somewhat skilled the same, you know, it's just like, that's it. That's it. Like, the, the person right. with the better weapon will usually win as long as they're similar skilled. But the idea that the environment could be used a little bit more or that a skill could be used that would shock you. Smash Brothers is pretty much what I'm talking about now, mm-hmm. where you get the chaos. And I would like a little bit more chaos involved. Gotcha. Oh, just a tiny bit more. So that if you and I met each other and I'm like, fuck, Maddie's played all these games. He, he's going to fucking, he's the last guy alive and I'm the last guy alive when we're fucking going into this field. And I know I'm probably going to die, but it's now snowing and you are better at sniper, but I'm better up close. And it's like, now I can fucking duck down in the grass. Can you see gotcha. me? Just little things like that, I think, would be amazing. And the power of the systems can can do that now, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you actually got my wheel spinning a little bit on another idea. Yeah, now I'm all excited. Yeah, because you were talking about, I'll imagine if I could get the like lightning to go into my pistol. And I was like, okay, I was talking about classes earlier. And, it's, and you got me thinking, oh, here's a good class idea, like an engineer. Where a lot of this is about resource collection, and sometimes you grab, you, you'll find like the better weapon. But imagine if you could like scrap that weapon into parts that you can use to upgrade your current weapons, and it's not right. just like tier based. Like so many, so often, like we'll see in Fortnite, like here's your orange, like your legendaries, and then here's your purples, your blues, your greens, your normals. And uh, I wondered, imagine if you could build that up yourself. You know, you be, mm-hmm. you recycle yeah. parts. You you know maybe. Based off the weapon you have, a red dot might be smarter to add to your weapon versus a long barrel versus uh, grip or um, something that allows you to aim down your sights a little bit faster. Just little things like that that add a little more agency. At the end of the day, yes, when it comes to competitive play with these battle royales, it narrows down the picks. People are going to find out what's the best of the best. But if I feel there's this sense of control on how I build my character, there could be fun trying to go into a battle royale and, and build a character that maybe a bit of an underdog and trying to win with that or trying to find well, a team comp but, that works with that lesser power of a character. And that could be your enjoyment of the game is not yeah. necessarily killing everybody where the enjo- enjoyment of PUBG for a lot of my friends is to not do anything, mm-hmm. right? But but what if your enjoyment was an engineer running around, grabbing guns, preparing collecting shit, r- r- preparing them for your friends or just fucking adjusting your own. And so most of your game is building up one gun Right. And then you face a guy who maybe has a bunch of skills, but he's, you know, he's been battling it out. Right. He's still better than you. I got you. You know, like he's better at fighting than you, but you guys get up close and now you hit him the first time. and He's like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? Like 50 percent of my life came off. And yeah, I love the idea of this. And I think it would require a company to really have some balls and be like. We're not going to make things perfectly statistically um, uh, matchable. Because you're right. It, it, it is about tiers. And you're t- tier one, tier two. What do you know? Well, tier two is going to be more powerful than tier one every time by this. I, I would love if there was a little t- tiny RNG in there. And it, it, RNG doesn't even have to be in the damage. It could be in if I'm a certain class, what if my rectical uh, aims just a little bit better, has a tiny bit less recoil, even though the gun may also have its own recoil adjustment. And mm-hmm. you get all these things. And so you're working, you and I are both engineers, both running around, but you have a skill or your class allows for this rectical thing. What my class allows me to hook a scope up to a gun that you normally wouldn't have. And suddenly we're in a different kind of battle at the very end 
even though they were the same type of character. Gotcha. And I just don't see any games doing that. And again, it'd be difficult as fuck. Um, but Valve, again, has unlimited resources. I think they're the company that could do something like that and, and might. Like, like I, would see, I could see them trying something, just being like, fuck it, let's just go for it. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential in Battle Royale and, and that I understand where people are just like, yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of, I'm so Overwatch for God's sakes. I'm tired of uh, Battle Royale. It's just constant kill fest and all that stuff. And I think there's room to evolve and that people will see over time. Like, yes, it's popular, but there, there'll be kind of like a, a nice shot in the arm that might, in, might get some people to want to actually check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And feels a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. A, a, a little bit more useful on a team too, because I don't. I know that if I jump into a public game, and I can tell like some people are together in a game, and I'll be like, "Fuck, they, you know, they're probably talking or what have you," and you're sort of the odd man out. It'd be nicer to have a little bit of a flexibility there to where somebody new could offer something you never expected. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you had something where the engineer is near you and it like? Well, I think Battlefield Five does this a little bit where it adjusts some things if people are near you. And I like that idea too, like right. where you feel like, hey, let's travel as a team, or or what if it's you do more damage when you're far away, like th- almost no game's ever done that. What if it's like you pick a perk that's called like solo hunter, and if you know for every hundred yards somebody's not near you, you do an extra ten points of damage or something, and so now people are running away from battle so that they can do more damage against a person like yourself who's building an engineer and you have a fucking head helmet no one can shoot through. There's fucking there's there's hundreds of things that they could do. Gotcha, yeah, a lot of room for potential there, but uh, we'll see if anyone wants to take our ideas and put them into effect. They're watching. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, that was a great return for the Hand Radio podcast. We hope all of you enjoyed. Carrick, thank you so much for joining me on another. You bet, man. It's a blast. Episode. And we will catch you all next week with episode one eighty five. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>